Guys, um, <coughs> this is going to be in two parts, this um, visit from Yoav, just so you know. So this is part one, and part two will be out very soon. Talking to Yoav Harvi Seppa, um, a Jew from Israel, living here in Prague, a friend of mine. And uh, yeah, I wanted to bring him on to talk about different topics related to Israel um, Holocaust and, and and so we yeah we spoke about that the Holocaust uh, the foundation of Israel uh, politics uh, what a kibbutz is which is basically one of the fundamental parts of the idea idea behind um, settling in Israel um, told me a little bit about his personal journey uh, into the military and 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 uh, his family issues and therapy and stuff like that and then yeah the conflict obviously between Palestinians and uh, Israel and uh, it's a complicated topic and uh, I have always felt that Yoav has had the ability to to view things a bit from distance um, he left Israel for a reason and um, therefore I think he, he gave kind of a balanced view on, on, on the situation um, there is no right, there is no wrong it's nobody can maybe say who threw the first stomp. So it was an interesting talk. And uh, yeah, I hope you will enjoy. Mm. As for the sponsors, that's Alfred Jobs, Alfred.cz or Alfred Jobs in the app stores. Uh, thousands of jobs in the Czech Republic and Slovakia, um, available in English, Slovak and Czech. And um, yeah, you can set up a job so you get sent the notification whenever there is a relevant job for you. And it's super convenient to use. You can use it while you're still sitting in that shitty other job that you have and um, get told when there's a new opportunity. Your dream is coming along. And then the Old Bar Prague um, on Cypher Tour 21, um, not far from the main train station and uh, yeah, close to Rigrovisari Park, which is a great place. Um, well, the park is great and the Old Bar is even more great. Um, Perfect for breakfast, lunch, uh, or snacks. Um, available also on delivery, takeaway. And you can sit in. It's not a big place, but there are some seats. And um, yeah, oatmeals, skier, healthy goodies, juices, coffee, and great service and friendly stuff. And uh, yeah, guys, check that out. That's uh, you, will, you will thank me afterwards. And uh, that's it, I think. Enjoy. <laughs> Okay, welcome to the bunker, Joav Harubiseba. Thank you. Am I pronouncing your name correctly? You are, yes. I'm not even going to ask you if this is a common name. Uh, Joav is a common name, right? Joav is a common name. It is the uh, name of uh, King David's um, Lord of Military. Uh, are you related or? Uh, I am not. <laughs> and, and how does it work? Your last name is that like... Uh, my that's a family name. My original last name is Haruvi. Mm. In Hebrew, it's pronounced Haruvi. Mm. The H and the R is different mm. in Hebrew. Um, and Zeppa is my wife's last name. Uh, Haruvi is a Hebrew uh, translation from a Polish mm. last name, which was Boxer. Uh, that's my um, 
grandfather's uh, old surname, mm. and it means a kind of a carob tree. So Haruvi is uh, like a, a tree. Carob, yeah. But, but but so now I actually asked you about if it was a common name that I wasn't going to do. But but so um, is this normal in Hebrew or in in Israel? Yeah, yeah, you're from Israel. Jewish from Israel. But um, is that normal that your name is taken after your wives or? or? It is not. It's uh, like a new age uh, shit. Okay. Uh, with uh, you know ideas to prove. Yeah. Um, but you're yeah, I mean. Honestly, it's a result of a bureaucratic uh, mess. Uh -huh. um, but it came out in a way that we are... Uh, happy with it. Happy with. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And yeah, you live here in Prague, um, and we met uh, uh, through our dogs. Um, yes. As a lot, a lot of people that I know. One of the best things about getting a dog is that you actually end up getting a lot of friends. I guess it's kind of like having kids. You meet other parents and so on. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and I, yeah, after we we met a few times and and had 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 conversations, I was I was more and more curious, and and I always felt that we had um, conversations about topics that, to me, being from Iceland and not knowing a lot other than what I read in the press there, then I felt it was could be interesting to bring someone like you, uh, let's say a regular Yoav from Israel uh, with a Jewish background being a Jew um, there's a lot of topics and and and, and um, some of them very um, sensitive that I felt that I could discuss with you that are not necessarily something that people yeah always feel comfortable talking about um, I it's a I guess it's a, I can say it's a defense mechanism that I uh, developed but um, honestly one uh, reason that makes it uh, um, like more pleasant for me to make it uh, this this uh, recording is that I almost don't really feel so much sensitive or uh, sentimental mm. about these uh, heavy topics that you that you are referring to. So it allows me to have some kind of a mo more of a program pragmatic um, perspective to them. Mm. So I hope we can, uh, you know, bring it, uh, uh, discuss it from many angles. Mm. Um, so it's a combination of my, my point of view and kind of a doubtful. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah, you never run out of answers. I've realized that in our conversation, you always have a lot of different angles. But just maybe one question. Is it difficult to be a Jew? I don't feel any difficulty about it. Oh, well, you know, I think my instinct was to say to to respond to the que to this question from the perspective of a Jewish versus the world, mm -hmm. while in second thought, uh, the difficulty about being Jewish is to have that kind of uh, destiny to be a part of the Israeli nation with all of the the um, meanings of that. Mm -hmm. So I kind of. Uh, experience difficulty in being Jewish for one for example in the fact that I'm um, not not neglecting but um, um, you know denying my uh, ethnic and religious uh, personality 
I'm trying to avoid it, mm. uh, another new age shit. But um, so I'm, I'm kind of um, taught or um, told that I should be proud to feel part of my, you know, uh, nation or people mm. and the legacy. And all that I'm feeling is that I, I'm a bit ashamed of it. But is that because you obviously being Jewish is not the same as being from Israel? We always make, I always make that uh, definition. Mm. You often ask yourself as an Israeli, are you more Jewish or are you more Israeli? Mm. I'm always more Israeli for sure. And the things that I like, I mostly like about um, the Israeli culture, the Israeli food, the Israeli language, um, the Israeli music, the Israeli, um, let's say, the, the, the um, atmosphere or um, char- character mm. that is for in, ver- in many ways for good and a lot for bad but it's something that I'm uh, connecting and related to. Mm. But these are not uh, religion uh, issues. I can appreciate... More more cultural issues. Yes. I can appreciate religion um, a lot. Mm. There are many things in all, any religion, and specifically in Judaism, that I can uh, relate to on a philosophical and um, even, let's say, educational way, but I um, very much, um, with the lack of other word, probably because I can't find it in English, I have some hate towards the religiousness Mm. um, because it it symbolizes many um, bad and ugly things that I think it, it's a big part of the reason for. Mm. So I'm kind of denied enjoying the good parts about it. Mm. The, the bad part is winning. Um, I'm not sure I understand the context of... of no, what you mean, you need me, I mean the negative drawbacks of the religious part are, are, are overshadowing maybe the positive parts of... Oh, yeah, yeah. exactly. But, um, I, I mean, like... Um, as I said, I mean, like, I, I wanted to have you here because there is a lot of stuff that, that like, um, you know, I think people are often uncomfortable talking about. And I remember, for example, when I was, I used to work a lot in Germany and I, I, I worked with a German, a lot of German colleagues and and I made the mistake of talking about the Second World War or asking about it because just out of curiosity, I mean, it's something that we studied in school. It's such a big part of last century and, and kind of the, Let's say the the modern life of today in Europe is very much shaped by this um, event, and uh, and I felt that it was the wrong country and the wrong people to talk to it about because they just went backwards and they didn't really want to discuss it, which I felt a little bit weird because, um, yeah, I, I I couldn't really feel that they they didn't do anything, you know, but it's a it's a part of their history that they're ashamed for. But it goes further than that. I mean, if we talk about persecution of, of Jews from a historical point of view, it's an old thing, right? Um, it's the, the Hebrew speakers refer to it as 2,000 
years of exile. Mm. Um, historically, I'm not sure if during all that time the Jewish people were in fact perse- persecuted, mm. but it's, um, it's a narrative in Israel that the Jewish people are so strong and that relates to be like to what I said about being part of it mm. and be proud of it is what kept the Jewish people allowed them to survive for so many years despite despite being setbacks. persecuted uh, many times over mm. uh, yeah the, the Spanish Inquisition or something mm. had to had to do with it and probably additional uh, examples in the past but It all led, let's say, right before the, the um, Holocaust, um, it led to a Zionist uh, Congress at the end of the 19th century, where um, the, the most known person out of that uh, uh, event was uh, uh, Benjamin Ze'ev, Theodore, some more names, Herzl, mm. which is uh, originally a, a Hungarian name, guy with a long beard um, that uh, that um, let's say invented the idea of a country for uh, Jewish people so that they will no longer be persecuted in countries where they are a minority mm-hmm. um, yeah but why and and because I mean that that seems to have been like the let's say the the story is that Um, the Jews are some in in some cases a minority and 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 actually um, were forced into somehow taking over responsibilities like financials tax collection a lot of things because um, it was considered dirty work at that time or it wasn't good good job so let's give it to those people because they're marginalized anyway And it then backfires because then over time these become unpopular they become clever at it they become good at it um, they become rich they are considered uh, the people that stole the money and the jobs mm. I believe from the local you know original Germans mm. and moreover they were mostly um, Orthodox religious so they they One lived in a, in a um, enclosed uh, community yeah. and uh, they also appear different. They practiced a different uh, religion. So they were easy to, to point at as uh, scapegoats um, for the results. I mean the, the, the consequences in Germany uh, after the First World War. Mm-hmm. So Germany was uh, weakened and um, the Jewish people were blamed for it um, more and more once uh, Adolf Hitler um, was uh, came to power mm-hmm. yeah because they were they were easy scapegoats I guess because you have a, a group of people that keeps by itself has money and you're looking for someone to blame. And all other people are are um, very uh, poor mm. and um, jobless mm. and um, so it's definitely a, an easy target 
But do you, if with this, because I read somewhere, I read I read a book about um, like um, DNA development and and uh, and how there is and in that book i mean yeah it was just one book but it was someone who obviously knew something about what he was writing but um he claimed that because you have two types of jews you have the ashkenazi and then you have these sai what's they called sephardic yeah sephardic and and the sephardic are more kind of northern africa right correct and the ashkenazi is more european eastern european yes and 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 this book claimed that over centuries the Ashkenazi Jews had acquired genetically superior skills in mathematics and finance and and things like this is this something that you hear in Israel um it's not really something that i hear it's not part of the Narrative. Ashkenazi versus Sephardic um um how to say conflict mm. um there is a lot of conflict but i don't think that these specific things or um characteristics that you mentioned are really part of it 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 relates to to um the fact that ashkenazi people in israel are considered like the uh, elitist facts that um that over that look downwards on sephardic Mm. Uh, one because they consider themselves, and I'm Ashkenazi, and I myself, um, how to say, um, are you a fi- are you a financial genius? I am not, but I uh, <laughs> I uh, seen you know I I how what is what is the verb for ma- making a scene? Let's say of being that kind of uh, Ashkenazi elitist prick. Yeah. Yes. Um so it relates to it in that way. Mm. Um where where Ashkenazi I mean that that's one um angle of it and another is that uh Ashkenazi were the first immigrants mm. to Israel in the beginning of the um 20th century. Uh and then the Sephardic came from uh, from Africa later on and were basically controlled and managed by the Ashkenazi the Ashkenazi government and the Ashkenazi uh, existing uh, residents of of Israel the Ashkenazi Citizen. came mainly then i guess from Russia and and Hungary Poland Czech Republic all, all those countries right um i w- i think that uh, russian and polish are probably the majority mm. but uh, the the other countries that you mentioned um have a lot of representation mm. in Israel i can't really uh you know say the the exact periods of time mm. that each of them came i do know that uh uh russian um immigrate immigrants came at the beginning of the century where when the kibbutzim were, yeah. were formed the kibbutzim uh, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that later because that's a very interesting kind of, let's say, lifestyle form in in a way. The kibbutz, I, I had no no idea about that. I mean, yeah, I didn't. I knew I knew a similar form, but I didn't know that it wasn't in, in Israel. But uh, a little bit about the Sephardic. Were they being persecuted in Africa? Were they being um, pushed out there or marginalized? Not that I know of. Mm. I assume that uh, in later years 
there must have been conflicts between, you know, uh, Islamic and Jewish uh, communities in Northern African uh, countries. I, I mainly refer to Morocco mm. or uh, Algeria or Yemen. Mm. Um, not not only Northern African are considered Sephardic. Uh, we Ashkenazi, being Ashkenazi, we look, we see them. We uh, we have to learn to distinguish. I'm saying it kind of cynically, but yeah, yeah, but it, it is very cynical. <laughs> yes, but I mean, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that they came also from Iraq mm. and they came also from uh, from um, uh, per uh, Iran, mm. Persia. Yeah. yeah. So it's all, let's say, Arab cultured uh, Jewish people. Mm. So they are not necessarily in in Israel. They're called Easterns, Mizrahim, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and I don't remember. It was brought up sometime recently where I saw that um, someone asked, "Why are they called Mizrahim, Easterns, if they come from Morocco, which is west, the west of yeah. of Israel?" Um, so I guess that each country had its own story of persecution. Mm. I know that today, for example, they just um, had some some diplomat uh, diplomacy uh, occasion with uh, Morocco, mm. and um, they interviewed some Moroccan uh, Moroccan people on the news, and they asked them what they think about the, the Israeli and the Jewish. And they say they are brothers, it's their country as well. We really want them to come visit here. I don't know how much it represents the majority, the majority or, um, but um, that's a voice that was heard. Yeah, but I guess I guess then the, the kind of the culminating point or the uh, the end point of, of, of Jewish persecution is then the Holocaust in the second during the Second World War. Um, which I mean, I I I, re I, re I read books about this. I mean, obviously, this is something you learn in school. I mean, and it's it's covered in in pop culture, in movies, and and, and things like this. And uh, I mean, it was just last week or two weeks ago that I read about this hundred-year-old German prison guard that was being trialed now uh, for his participation in 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 being a, a prison guard in one of those camps. No, I visited Auschwitz and I went to another camp here in the Czech Republic, Teresin. And the scenes are horrific. At the same time, also, I know that the same was being done earlier, elsewhere. I mean, there were labor camps that then ended up being death camps because they, they worked the, the labor to death and obviously didn't prioritize the people that were in those camps for nutritious food or, or hygienic or anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they treated prisoners or, or labor prisoners worse, obviously, than they treated their own citizens and, and so on. It doesn't make it any less horrific, but it wasn't necessarily a new thing. Um, how How is this seen? I mean, how... I don't know. Because you, you sometimes get the feeling that that a big part of the world feels guilt about this? Do Israelis feel themselves, or Jewish people in Israel and elsewhere, do they feel 
that they're victims of this? Or is it just a convenient topic to bring up? I know this sounds really arrogant to say it like this, but yeah. Uh, I actually think that uh, it is a narrative that is well kept in Israel mm. and maintained. Um, I wouldn't be entirely cynical um, to say that all of, you know, because a lot of uh, commemoration is um, happening to to keep remembering uh, that that narrative um, and it's part of uh, expressing the sorrow and moving that that story onwards but um, there is a big part of it that says we are the Jewish nation the persecuted Jewish nation that were um, persecuted and were victims of that very horrific um, uh, event. Mm. And this is what justifies our um, right to have our own country. Mm. At whatever cost. Meaning? Whatever conflict that comes with. I think, I mean, there is a, uh, probably a lot more to say about that uh, conflict, but I think that with it was never the plan mm. to have that conflict, but, um, but no, ma no matter what, it would be said that uh, that Jewish people uh, would only be safe in their own uh, Jewish nation. Mm. Otherwise, they they could keep uh, being uh, persecuted. So whatever are the consequences, um, it is a right of a Jewish person to have, to, to, have the, the, to have Israel as a protector. And I, I must say that um, with a lot of criticism that I have towards Israel and... Um, even to its, uh, let's say, the, the bureaucratic uh, um, facilities, I can also say that um, it, is, it is something that I'm, that I'm familiar with, that uh, Israeli people take care of other Israeli people wherever in the world, um, you know, for free. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they would reach so out a hand. There's a camaraderie, like uh, people st stick together. Yes, but how, because yeah, well, the reason why I asked you this is that I, I have a feeling that, for example, I mean, we're going to talk about the conflict and, and the Palestine issue later, but uh, um, I have a feeling that with when, that the world struggles a little bit with how to, to deal with Israel. And um, I think it's very easy or you know, it's like anything that I would say against, I don't know, if I, if I would speak against Israeli foreign policy, then I'm anti-Semitic. You know, like that, that I'm somehow, you're almost either with them or against them. There, 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 there is no, and, and, and that brings me to think, okay, so where is this guilt? You know, what, what, what is it that, like, are we, I mean, obviously the Germans feel guilty. I guess you know that. Um, or uncomfortable you with can, it. You can uh, refer to that question uh, thinking about uh, a German guy meets an Israeli guy in a bar 
whether in Berlin or in uh, Tel Aviv or anywhere else in the world. Would, would Germans go to Tel Aviv? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a warm relationship between today's Israel and today's Germany, both mm-hmm. the, um, the governmentals, um, um, yeah, and the... Uh, just the people, the regular people, people yeah. Yeah, uh, Israelis love going to Berlin. Berlin is today considered the, like the second most, I mean, third, let's say, after United States. Mm. Um, maybe, I'm not sure. But anyway, a lot of Israelis live currently live in Berlin. Mm. I think that in Europe it's the most uh, common destination for Israelis to go uh, live in. Anyway, when they meet, then you can always think about the grandfather of that German guy and the, and his intera- possible interaction with the grandfather of that Israeli guy. Mm. And I guess that um, uh, it's not that I can testify for so many examples but uh, um, I would imagine that uh, a German guy uh, would have some uh, let's say doubt or fear to touch a, a soft point or to say things that uh, might you know insult where I think actually that he's the one that has more soft points mm. about it because we are very um, how to say, rigid about it, you know, we, because we process it so much. Maybe I'm not the, the most common example. Maybe I'm a more, more towards the apathetic uh, side, <clears throat> but um, the, the ongoing processing of it brings us to uh, deal with it as a, 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 a much lighter topic. So, so you can joke about it. Oh, we joke. I mean, uh, um, Holocaust jokes mm. are is like a, you know it's a category in Israel. In Israel, we use uh, we use terms from the Holocaust to to describe um, you know different characteristics. For example, uh, you would you might call like a, a tough teacher or a tough uh, military um, commander mm. a Nazi mm-hmm. to, to describe, you know. Mm-hmm. And you can say like <clears throat> like a cooperator, let's say in the military, when you have the guy that that's from the class, but he needs to tell the class to stay in line, and they say, ah, oh, you, you're a capo or you're a Judenrat. Uh-huh. Because you're like the cooperator of the of the, of the hierarchy, yeah, or yeah. the power people. <clears throat> so um, it's definitely, but but still, at the same time, a lot of people um, would be would be very sensitive about it, mm. either if they have their own personal stories, if either if it's like, I mean, uh, there are non-Ashkenazi Jewish people that. Um, experience that uh, Holocaust theme and uh, ceremonies and stories um, very, very personally, as if they were their own. Which they weren't. Like the Sephardic, they were not involved in this. Uh, n- no, not directly. Mm. Um, not, that, like, not like in, in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, 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 were, they weren't from Poland or... Mm. or yeah, so they didn't... 
directly suffer from it. But they have taken it as their own or adopted it? No, no. It's part of the Ashkenazi Sephardic uh, debate. Uh um, Who owns the Holocaust and for what purposes? Mm -hmm. So I would only say that at this point, I think, because it's kind of, it might slide Mm. away from it. But um, I don't think that traditionally, I think that traditionally the Ashkenazi own it as their own, you know, their families are the ones Mm. that Suffered. suffered from it. Um, I think that that one very important uh, thing to mention is that Holocaust had effect not only on the people that experienced it in first hand. Um, so there were the ones that died and entire families were, you know, and then there were the survivors and so-called survivors, they, I mean, many people did Uh, were able to make it something positive for themselves, mm. you know, uh, as any other thing or, you know, any the, other difference thing that between, goes again, yeah. the difference between different people is, you know, how they Some handle. become stronger, some break. Yes. Mm. But um, in many, many cases, it's told about the uh, second generation mm. to the Holocaust, where they, it's really like a, it's, it's like a, phrase i don't have it you know from the top of my my head now but to 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 categorize those second generation uh, um, sons and daughters mm-hmm. of those survivors and how they were raised with a traumatic traumatic person today it's so common to go and get psychological treatment and talk about it you know today you talk about it uh, as part of the law I mean, mm. you, you, you need, you have to commemorate it. You mm. have to discuss it. But then no one talked about it. They even mocked them sometimes. You know, they would say, oh, yeah, that crazy lady from that apartment over there because she, you know, she had post-traumatic stress. Yeah, from, yeah. and she yelled or she, and then her son was raised under In those. these conditions, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, so it filters into the society through this, through the tra- trauma that, that the survivors brought with them. Yes, and uh, I assume that it has... I mean, let's say in my personal story, although my family didn't have a direct impact from the Holocaust, mm. um, it did, but in farther, you know, um, connections from me. So... Um, I just want to say that um, my mom's mother was abusive. Mm. And so my mom was very soft-handing towards her children. And then it kind of balances, you know, and it impacts our generation as well. So although it's not related to the Holocaust, I just want to say that this kind of, you know, balance and... um, you know, uh, yeah, these bouncing, are forces, yeah, these back are from different forces that are at play, yeah. you know, so she is abusive, your mom becomes soft, and then you are probably going to be different to your son or, or your children, you know, like, um, but um, a little bit about the, the, because you say that, you know, you have processed this event in, let's say, in, in your nation or in your nation's consciousness or, or, or whatever you can call it, but so you can joke about it, but I could not come there and joke about it, I guess. I would enjoy if you 
joke about it. Yeah, you would, but I mean, from... Um, I guess... I, I, don't, I don't have any I jokes about it, by the way. I don't know anyone, any, any great ones. But, uh, but I, it, because, you know, like you have a feeling that, that um, with, for example, with blacks or African-Americans, yeah, yeah. that they, they can say certain things and joke about certain things and use certain words that we cannot. But that, that uh, occasion is uh, represented in movies, so I'm very aware of it. Mm. But I can't, you know, bring from my memory any... Well, I can imagine someone's not, someone not Jewish says, you know, a joke about the Holocaust and a Jewish person gets uh, offended by it. Mm. So yes, I guess my, my answer to that is that, um, let's say, it's, it, it equates with the uh, black mm. uh, yeah. community. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, we, yeah, you, you told me, I've asked you this before about the personal story and, and uh, and you said just now that it's it's not like directly linked to you, but there is some, um, there is some, you know, there were there were some connection, right? Between me and the Holocaust. Yeah, there were uh, some relatives. I think you told me about a tattoo or 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 something. Um, I think that the tattoo story you mentioned is uh, about the um, numbers. Yeah. That. Uh, survivors or uh, non-survivors as well had on their hands as part of being in in, uh, in, a camp. in camps. I would say, by the way, if you ask about my relationship, my, my relation to it is that if you had some, if you knew someone from your family that had number a number on his hand, that that might be the definition if you do or you don't have a connection. So I, I don't really have, mm-hmm. um, again, maybe only something that's, a story that's not, um, you know, I'm not really familiar with. Yeah. Um, but these, uh, the, um, this number on this hand, um, I told you about it in the context of um, pictures of survivors mm-hmm. in Israel that are looking through uh, garbage bins. Yeah, yeah, now I remember. We were talking about how are the survivors of the Holocaust that are still there, still alive, how are they taken care of? And they are neglected, you say. But the German Germany is still paying reparations, right? Germany is paying so reparations. So there is money coming that is supposed to take care of the survivors. Correct. Mm-hmm. And it's not going directly to the survivors. And um, one of the um, uh, popular... Um, criticism about the Israeli government is that um, it's not taking good care of its uh, of, of the Holocaust survivors. So from one hand, they are being uh, brought up on this kind of uh, imaginary throne, you know, being so important that the, the story and the narrative of Israel and the justification of this nation. And we must... Uh, commemorate it and um, and tell this t- story. There is a there is a, uh, a new uh, type of event in Israel that became very uh, popular. Um, it's called uh, in Hebrew zikaron basalon. It means memory in the living room. And so instead of globe uh, like public ceremonies, 
that still occur, but as an addition to them, uh, you would um, you would make uh, you would have a meeting in someone's house, mm. uh, hosting a survivor to tell you their story. So then you have a, a chance to ask questions, and um, we even had one like that here in in Prague on the first uh, like a few months after we got here. Um, they invited us to participate, and it was uh, an interesting. I mean, we had we had those in Israel as well, but it was kind of a way for us to meet fellow Israelis in uh, Prague. In Prague. Um, but how was that like um, in in school? I mean, is it? Uh, I guess you learn a lot about this in school. Is is and do you get visitors that, or you, when you were in school, did the visitor come and tell you this is my story in the Holocaust? Yes, we did have uh, survivors coming to school to mm. tell us about uh, their personal story. We even saw a film um, that uh, that then was followed by a visit of the hero of that film. Mm-hmm. So he, he told about his uh, survival, and then he came to tell about it personally. Um, and like I said, I mean, it sounds um, very romantic. Mm. Um, and it is, I mean, romantic and sad and uh, awful, mm. right? Mm. Let's not... Uh, but then it's kind of the narrative that, that, you're, that you're brought up with. Yeah, and it, it, it has such a... I mean, this whole story on this whole event has such a has had such a shaping effect on on the world you know after it i mean it yeah the, the you know the, there is a, a new nation created out of it and a lot of i mean and that has come with a lot of ups and downs and it has impacted world politics i mean there's a you know it impacted in international um what's it called like uh, agreements uh, legislation the united nation i mean there, there are many many things that that this shaped somehow but i just before we leave the 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 holocaust um because that kind of yeah i wanted to talk to you a little bit about the the foundation of of israel or or how israel got in or got activated let's say after 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 this but uh, switched on yeah switched on let's say um but have you visited those camps like yourself in auschwitz and, and teresin um so you you asked about school and it um it's a um an annual occasion in schools that um, in the 11th grade, mm. I believe uh, we are sent on a trip to visit Poland and several camps. Mm-hmm. I didn't attend uh-huh. um, that trip because I um, hated like everyone at school or something like that. Yeah, it was not the, your fi- not uh, about the camp. It was I more didn't about feel the company. good yeah, about going with... Um, this group of people. This group of people. And um, we, I, I visited later on um, uh, Sachsenhausen, mm. I believe, mm. uh, in uh, near Berlin. Mm. Um, and how did that feel? Well... Um I uh let let's say this it's not uh well enough uh embedded in me 
the way I felt. So I guess that kind of, you know, tells, says that it didn't have such a strong impact of, on me. Mm. Um, it, was, it was an interesting ex- experience mm-hmm. and interesting uh, sights to see mm-hmm. um, up close. Mm. But I guess that I'm uh, maybe too busy with other things that prevent me from being attached or being... Uh, yeah, and it, uh, maybe if, if you were, I don't know, 70 years old or 60 years old, it would, uh, be, uh, would have been different. I'm not sure if it's about the age. I think it's my personality. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so um, 6 million Jews lost their lives in, in, in World War II. Or that's at least what they, they, you know, that's the, I mean, I guess nobody knows for sure if there were six or six and a half or five and a half. But, um, and as I said, it had a lot of consequences. And one of it is, is that, yeah, Israel gets switched on. You, you know, Jewish people need the country to call their own where they can feel safe and that they are not the marginalized group of people. Uh, how many Jewish people are in the world now? Is it, is Ooh, in the world, I, I... 17 million or something. You... Probably know a better. I think. Na- I think number. so. And and in Israel, nine. Yeah. nine, nine million. I think is not Jewish. Is all yeah. Israel. And I think that non-Jewish is probably about thirty percent. Mm-hmm. So so it's six seven million in uh, Jews in Israel. But what? So you said that the, the let's say the reasoning or the the idea behind this was to to give the Jewish people, a country that they could call their own instead of being a nation spread in multiple different countries where they were not feeling comfortable or being treated in, in the right way. Yes. and um, But there is a religious thing as well. I mean, there, this is not like a coincidence. I mean, there is a story between Jerusalem and Judaism, right? I think that the first people that came to Israel... Um, besides having the shared uh, religion as, um, you know, the reason for them being there, although um, there were Jewish people in Israel, already, which was was not yet Israel at the time before Israel Mm. was founded. Mm. What was it called before? (coughs) What what was the name of the... Palestina. Mm -hmm. Um, I I know that uh, they used to to call it Palestina I. I is Aleph Yud, um, the letters of Eretz Israel, like the country of Israel. So it was then uh, Palestina. Actually, you know, in uh, in coins where you toss the coin and you have heads and tails. Mm. So in Israel, you say Etz, which is tree, or, or Pali. Pali is the, like the short for Palestine because on that side of the coin, it had... Palestine mm-hmm. embedded on it. Um, so at that time, it was under control of uh, British uh, or let's say Turkish, then British authorities. This is and what year? 19th? The beginning of the 20th century. Uh-huh. Um, so the people that lived there were uh, mostly uh, Arab tribes and um, Israel, uh, Jewish um, immig- immigrators, mm. uh, or let yeah, from from uh, mostly Soviet Union, I guess mm. maybe Russia. 
at that time I'm yeah so so you know I'm yeah. not sure I have the you know the timeline but mm. um so they came and they formed this uh this way of living called kibbutz mm. kibbutz the literal tran- translation is gathering mm. so um later on we will uh uh discuss the um the the gathering of of different uh we we already touched it about the ashkenazi and uh and sephardic mm. but mm. the gathering of exiles kibbutz galuyot is is the hebrew uh term for the the gathering of exiles so the the kibbutz in the early years of the 20th century was uh also kind of tribes of exiles of russian uh immigrants Ex- yeah. yeah uh they they weren't exiles at that point anymore i mean they no kept- but they exiled from <coughs> russia i know and um i i don't know enough to tell you the reason why they came no but the russians hated them before the germans started hating them i mean the in soviet union they were really i just don't know if the reason for them to mm. get out of of the soviet union or russia was that mm. um the, it could be that they went to to um conquer you know a goal of settling in in um uh, in that on, the, on that yeah. land but i mean and th- this has always been like your holy land right i mean it's been it, it that, that is not a new invention i mean that that's uh, um it's the the beside i mean one justification of israel is that it was you know to to keep uh, the jewish people safe from persecution but the other and even more prominent justification is the biblical mm-hmm. justification which says that uh, when the jewish people um escaped um egypt mm-hmm. with um with joseph that uh, took them through the the desert desert no, was that joseph no there was some other guy right let's find out yeah i might be let me think i'm i'm checking here No no wait it was wasn't it Moses 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 yeah it was Moses god damn it <laughs> you're, <laughs> I, a, you're a fake Jew I got my my it's yeah, I need to see some pretensions here it's something here. I would know but then you know you have that second to to bring up that name and I got it has the same you know sound yeah. ose so anyway Moses yes he uh took the Jewish people through the desert uh 40 years and they reached um that that part of the world mm. where um it Israel you know was first uh, uh announced i would mm. say mm. uh Moses by the way wasn't allowed to get into that land when they just got there Mm-hmm. that i know but then then it 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 evolves because i mean it's it's like uh, yeah it's the 14th of may 1948 that's one day after your birthday correct that that they um, that's the foundation of of israel kind of after the second world war so but, but there are settlements before but it's not like a formal country correct uh-huh kibbutzim and so on yeah so so it's it's more of a and and was that uh, that time let, let's say from the start of the of the 20th century 1900 and until until after the 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 war uh, 
That was a peaceful settlement. I mean, there, there wasn't... Uh... It was never a peaceful settlement. Uh -huh. um, uh, um, you mean before the foundation of Israel? Yeah, yeah before it formally becomes a country. I think it was much less um, a conflict. Because this area, I mean, if you look at, from a historical point of view, you look at Lebanon, um, you look at, uh, yeah, then Palestine be before, and, and, and Syria, Jordan, these countries have always been very, let's say, diverse in a way, that you have, you know, Arabs, you have Jewish, you have Christians. It's, it's, it's always been a melting pot somehow. That's exactly the um, well it's uh, it's uh, I guess it's destined for the for the Jewish people. You know that originally there was an idea to 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 uh, found the Israeli nation in Uganda mm -hmm. that was hurt then they found uh, they found lions there and uh, yeah, and it was too hot. Yeah, and they 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 came from uh, they they w had white skin, so they they would burn. Yeah, um, and so that's the place, you know, that's the biblical place. What can you do about it? Mm. Um, that's that's where they believe they deserve to to. That, that's where God said mm. that Israel should be, that the Jewish people should should have. But but I mean. Technically, we now have a very, uh, or let's say, a part of what should have been uh, Israel according to the, you know, to the uh, God uh, order. Mm -hmm. I can't get over that Joseph uh, thing, you know. I, I don't worry about it. Just have a beer <laughs> and chill. Oh, no, I'm just... Yeah, I'm sure that Joseph was a distant relative of Moses, and he was. There was probably a Joseph. Joseph in the group. My adopting grandfather's name was Joseph, and he was a hero, by the way, in the in the story of the of the kibbutz yeah. of where I uh, come from. So. But uh, so so people want to create the nation. Uh, the British were in control of the land, right? I mean, it was a, it had been a colony of 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 Britain, right? Um, so, so, so the land is actually given to Jews by British, right? Isn't that how? Um, it wasn't. What I know is that the tribes that lived there were allowed to have their lives without intervention by the British um, authorities at that point. Um, and I believe that until some formal declaration was made, um, the the um, resistance of the Palestinians, the Arab uh, s uh, settlers at that time, was much less ag mm. aggressive. Mm. And um, it only when they when they declared the the foundation, then. They went into. Uh, they, they started going into um, wars over and over again across many years until this day. The, at the beginning, it was wars against those uh, countries that you mentioned that surrounded mm -hmm. Israel mm -hmm. in several different uh, times mm -hmm. uh, in the first uh, decades of uh, of Israel. Um,
but uh, we, we yeah, but there's a lot there's yeah there's a lot of conflicts and and uh, I wanted to I just wanted to get you a little bit on the on the kibbutz because as I said the kibbutz is some if I describe it it seems to be like a, a some sort of a cooperation I mean in in where money doesn't necessarily change hands. Um, people are it's like a almost like a hippie commune and there was some swedish influence on this as well right um there, there was uh scandinavian uh, visitors in the mm. form of uh, volunteers that came uh in earlier like 80s 70s mm. they came to be um they they were uh, they had a place to stay and they got all the all the services as all other um members of members the of the kibbutz and in exchange they just had to contribute work as all others um <clears throat> so yes the kibbutz was uh, let's say hippie in the um from the aspect of having uh, a lot of um green grass to to lay on and to to smoke also and um they uh aspired to have equality mm. <clears throat> but the kibbutz started uh th- this this type of kibbutz that i'm describing is something that i'm more familiar with from later years of the 20th century but the kibbutz was formed as an ideal uh that was kind of i wanted to address that part about um the the israeli nation bound to to religion so i think that um it happened on the contrary that uh jewish people from eastern europe after they suffered the holocaust kind of um had some doubt you know in god in religion in where i mean that that question of where was god mm. um <clears throat> and that that's from one from one angle and then the kibbutz filled in as some kind of a, i mean it's it didn't really fill in because actually it was already there the ideal of the kibbutz that started in the earlier years of of the 20th century when they uh came to follow that ideal of i, I think that karl marx was the like you know the so the yeah father. so it's 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 something that that you you can you can connect it somehow to the soviet idea idea of cooperation sharing equality many families they living had, together they had uh, those origins but i'm not sure if the ideal really served i mean it was more more zionist i think yeah, but there are similarities <coughs> that you can see it was about this. the land it was about working in the land and and uh, drying uh, swamps mm. and they sacrificed their individuality for, for the greater idea. good of yeah for the greater good of good, good of the group yes and at the beginning it was they were traveler groups and then they started to settle to work their land and um they really had to give up their belongings and um even to the to the extent of the of giving up their children it was <laughs> yeah but the only, for me you're describing communism or a cult yeah i mean but that was the beginning of um 
you know, the, the ideal of the, of the kibbutz and settling in, in Israel, uh, Judaism settling in Israel and having an alternative for religion mm. is something to follow and something to believe. And then with the foundation of Israel, they had to create a new culture. They had to, there were, um, it was the Tower of, of Babel, you know, people mm. came from Poland and from, uh, uh, there were Polish speakers and Russian speakers and, and German speakers mm. and uh, many other languages. And the, the uh, earlier leaders of uh, Israel, before and after the foundation, had the, the cause of creating, you know, they wrote stories and song poems uh for children in hebrew even though they the children didn't speak that language so that they can start learning hebrew from it and speak mm. it at mm. home mm. um and they invented you know food that's israeli and so they created a culture and a language or well the language was there but they they Yeah, because they, they actually... The language you, was not there. That's, that's exactly the point. No, but Hebrew the language that, existed, let's say. Hebrew just, that we speak today is very different from the biblical Hebrew that, uh, mm. that uh, existed before. Mm. Uh, Eliezer ben Yehuda was the, the renewer of uh, the Hebrew language. Mm. He wrote, uh, let's say, a dictionary. And then he had to implement that dictionary, you know, uh, immediately... Uh, with the help of, uh, of Bialik, a uh, national uh, uh, author mm. uh, that wrote uh, Hebrew uh, content for, you know, for people to start uh, yeah, consuming you, Hebrew. Yeah, and you need to unify them somehow around exactly. something. But, but, but let's go a little bit back to the kibbutz because I don't feel we have been clear on it. So, so what, what, how does a kibbutz work? I mean, we don't need to talk about the, the old ones, but let's, I mean, because you were born in one of those. So what, uh, what's the difference of being in a kibbutz? Or what makes a kibbutz a kibbutz? Um, so let's, let's take it from, from my, the, the point of my existence, mm. or at least my uh, creators. So mm. my dad um, was, li- lived in a, in a different kibbutzim, throughout his life throughout his life and was even uh elected like uh, the secretary of one of uh, yeah um and then uh my mom had uh, joined him uh in the kibbutz when they uh, got together and it meant that she had to uh give up her uh, monthly salary Uh, it, it was the 80s, so no one really had a lot of belongings, but mm. anyone that came from outside had still had to sacrifice from themselves to the kibbutz. Uh, the children still um, slept in um, communal um, you know, places. So the kids didn't <coughs> sleep with the parents? No, they, that, that was kind of, I'm, I'm kind of in the stitch point between the, the traditional kibbutz and the modern mm. kibbutz, although I'm now po- we are now postmodern <laughs> kibbutz way after that. But so my sisters still slept in that communal place and I didn't. So um, it still was the transition between having the kids as part of the community and belong to everyone mm. to raise, really to educate 
Mm-hmm. Like you would not, you would have limited time with your child during the day. Uh, during all other time, there was someone in charge of educating them for you mm-hmm. as a teacher and as a parent. Mm-hmm. And then um, it slowly softened. So um, then I still, I, I didn't, I was no longer sleeping in uh, in those... Uh, Communal yeah. areas. And and what what more? I mean, like, what about... Uh, where, where did, how, how did, is it farming? How, how, how is value created? How is food created? Um, so there is, uh, there are, in our kibbutz, there were two factories, one for fabric and one for plastic nets that uh, were... Uh, Owned set. by the kibbutz? Those factories were owned by the kibbutz, mm-hmm. uh, let's say, uh, formally. Uh, I'm saying that because uh, corruption went in part at some point, hard to say when. Uh, I'll get to that, but um, th- those were the... Uh, and also, uh, we had uh, like uh, um, fields of bananas mm-hmm. and corn and squash. My dad uh, was in the part of uh, of growing bananas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I I, I will uh, tell you later on how that smashed into his face. Um, the banana so, business <coughs> went bananas. Yeah, and then okay, th- there was another way. So my mom went to work in the regional school. Outside of salary, outside of the kibbutz, outside of the kibbutz, and had a salary that was relatively higher than, let's say, another person at the same status, you know, mm-hmm. age, and that uh, had two shifts at the at the um, I don't know the office, um, the laundry mm. folding uh-huh. service, whatever. It's a lie because the laundry service. The laundry folding service was shared in you know between all, like you would get your you would su- be summoned this day you you were doing come. this yeah yeah so and that that was the remainder like doing chores going to the food room so but wait so your mom got a salary that she then paid to the kibbutz right and she yes. could keep a little bit of the money herself she couldn't uh-huh. uh, yeah theoretically she couldn't I think that many. It. people in the yeah yeah it it's it's uh it would have been i mean it's a it the smart it's the smart thing to do mm. to keep some some of it for yourself but uh but um formally uh officially you would have to give your entire salary to the kibbutz and the kibbutz would then give you and everyone else everything that you need mm. to live properly you would have uh, 30 cars to serve the entire kibbutz. So when we wanted to go and get something uh, from the shop in Haifa, the nearest city, we had to uh, book like a car. car. car, First car sharing in the world. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh, With the the app that we had then in the 90s. It was a book somewhere, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But but, and how, how, what about religion? Does religion pay a part in the kibbutz? Um, so let's just, just to mention it for one more second, that the beginning of the kibbutz was an alternative Mm. for religion. Mm. So I think that the founders of the kibbutz, of the kibbutzim idea, probably uh, abandoned their Judaism religion and 
and uh, replaced it with a different religion. So in terms of being Jewish religious, as I previously said, I'm, I went far away from it. Mm. Uh, a lot of it is affected by being raised in the kibbutz. I'm not sure if it's because uh, it's like the, my parents' uh, state of mind or if it's, let's say that technically and practically I didn't encounter signs of, of Jewish traditional Judaism until I was uh, in the 13th, 14th, 15th uh, Year. grade. Uh-huh. class yeah so what, what age is that in in israel like 14 uh-huh so uh, yeah. yeah so no, no sorry i said 14th grade but yeah. there isn't there is like the ninth grade which is was which was when i was about 14 yeah yeah that's what i but yeah but um um and how is it like so so we're talking about kind of a cultish in a way but with in the absence of religion i mean it's it's a uh, you believe in the greater good of the kibbutz you're sacrificing yourself uh everyone is parenting everyone is it also free sex and and free love um so again it depends what time you ask about it because for example it's not exactly free sex but maybe it's even the exact opposite but in the earlier years of the kibbutz there was something called a primus 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 mm. is like a is like a dish or a, or a uh, aluminum thing i think that has three legs and it described that thing in the kibbutz where you they didn't want you to have like the family institution so a, a mom a dad and kids mm. so even for couples they would put a primus together with them in their cabin or tent And they had their part, like with the bed and whatever they needed. They didn't have a kitchen. They didn't have shower. They didn't have toilet at those very, very early years, right? Because they have they had everything communal. communal. Mm. So they only went there to sleep. But another thing that you do in your bed is sex. And then you have that that third person sleeping right across from you in your cabin. Exactly for that purpose, to prevent, you know. So to prevent sex. <laughs> It's not to prevent sex, but it's to prevent... They did have sex because part of their, their um, ideal was to bring, to create more, like, to create a, a next generation. Mm -hmm. But it was done in a non-romantic or non-hippie or non-sensual uh, mm -hmm. uh, or emotional yeah, it way. It was more a practical... It was a technique, yeah. And then later on, when you describe, you know, um, that uh, romantic idea, then... You, at that point, when I experienced it, it was then lost. I mean, no one, you would be much more cynical about it, which led you to, to kind of desert the ideals behind it at on, and only be forced mm. to do it. Mm. So like any idea that is new as it was several decades earlier, it lost its charm. Mm. And then people kind of went to be just normal people living in that that way Setup, yeah yeah that they're not really you know uh devoted to so then they kind of start feeling well maybe it's not really the best way for us to to do it so they start taking a bit from their salary before they give it to the kibbutz and so on mm -hmm. but um, i mean the idea sounds beautiful but the reality can be 
because you know, like you, what you're describing here, and I read, I read a little bit about this when you told me about this before. But um, you know, it's 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 like a fairy tale in a way. You know, like this idea that everybody works together, everybody is equal, everybody has enough, everybody is responsible, and um, the responsibility is shared. And we are kind of deactivating greed and uh, personal preferences. And and yeah, it sounds a lot like communism. And and uh, but. In reality, it's different because I th- I know that you had a hard had a hard time there, you know, like because you would based on this what I just said, you would think yeah, and all the animals in the jungle were friends, but they weren't. Um, we uh, we can examine the the idea philosophically. Um, you know, we we kind of need to dive deeper to to check if mm. it's something that can be applied on human nature. Probably it can't. I mean, it was. Um, there are much fewer kibu- active kibbutzim today in Israel than there were. Mine, mine is not for the past uh, uh, thirty years mm. almost, mm. or uh, let's say twenty-five. Um, that it was, it broke apart um, because uh, because the idea didn't work and mm. it led to a lot of financial problems. Mm. Um, but what about daily life there? I mean, you, you, did you like it there? Or was it nice? Um, I, I will start by saying that at some point I fled away from there. Mm. Um, and my, my perspective of it was, um, you know, being, um, I don't want to say forced because it's kind of, you know, the, the, the way for every person that they have their neighbors and their classmates and these are their friends. So my the people in my kibbutz were my friends and it happened at some point that these friends uh, excommunicated me. Which I it don't means, even know what that means. It means that they um, bullied me um, in an active way, which means... Um, at that at that age when it happened, I used to put gel in my hair to make it spiky. Uh-huh. And then the the guy, the leader of the of the uh, bullying group, is he sent his uh, troops to smash my uh, spikes. Uh-huh. Um, so that's actively bullying. And then um, non-actively me- just means that they don't talk to me and don't uh, invite me to spend time with them. Why was that? What did you do wrong? Other, uh, th- other that, than that gel in your hair? That guy that I mentioned, uh, we kind of had the um, a micro um, Ashkenazi versus uh, Sephardic conflict mm. uh, between us, which was based on, the, on, on my being um, arrogant, you know, about intelligence, and he had strength in his arms. And um, that was kind of, you know, it, it uh, escalated, mm. I would say, to the point that um, I, uh, my mom was a teacher, like I said, so I um, kind of uh, um, took advantage of that, uh, of that fact to help me avoid his uh, bullying in school. And that caused him, like, to, um, to make a silent... Uh, war at me. I mean, I, maybe I'm mixing things up, but I remember that at the time when it stopped being personal, 
and I had to use uh, stronger powers to make him leave me alone physically. <clears throat> so then he went back and kind of formed this group of uh, people from my kibbutz that... Um, that uh, Excluded you, basically. Yep. And, uh, and that was... That, that was the way it, it uh, evolved. Mm. And how, but, uh, how was it then um, to deal with this? I mean, because it's, it's a community that is all about the community. You know, it's all about, the, that's the ideology. And part of, being, uh, part of being in a community is also being alone and uh, secluded mm. and find your, yourself... Um, you know, your own place is kind of the victim of that community idea. Today, as <laughs> many other things that we mentioned, I look at it in a very apathetic way and processed way. Um, it was, uh, let's say, discussed uh, many times along my, uh, uh, over my life and uh, especially like in a, a psychology uh, therapy so, so you get got, in the end, you got some help with this, or you you went to a therapist. I got some no. help generally, and that was part of it. It wasn't mm. the I didn't go there to seek help with that specifically, but I would say that this help eventually led me to go back into uh, this group of people that are today my friends. Uh, so they took you back, most of them. Mm. Yes, um, <clears throat> at the time when when I experienced that. Uh, bullying, um, I had one or two more friends that still kept in touch with me and we kind of had our group and one of them was then also excluded or excommunicated uh, similarly to me for other reasons and um, he also so we had like our trio and that was fine. It and sounds like the storyline of Revenge of the Nerds or some movie yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, but it was okay, and it made me who I am, mm. you know. Um, so I look at it this way. I don't have the pain of the of the wounds. Mm. Um, but isn't this, I mean, like, because, I mean, of course, kids can be kids, and I bullied kids, and I was bullied, and, and, uh, and yeah. Uh, but in this case, you know, you live in a, in a kibbutz, which the philosophy is about sharing, it's about togetherness, it's about... Uh, sacrificing your personal let's say urges for the greater good of the community isn't i mean is is it allowed to bully in the kibbutz it seems so yeah <laughs> i guess i mean yeah i don't think that uh, anyone really was able to pay attention or really notice it mm. it was kind of i mean there it's although it's a uh, place with a few hundred people um, each was in their own mm. business I guess maybe not maybe not I don't know maybe mm. um, I mean if it's allowed it's not in any uh, rules no yeah. rule book no no I'm just you know it just <laughs> contradicts a little bit the whole ideology you know what I mean that um, because I, th I think that uh, ideologies uh, are meant to be contradicted by the people who practice them, especially after, you know, time goes by and mm. you kind of forget about the ideology and sort of just live your life. And that's what proves if an ideology 
is really sustainable and justified or not or not mm. if, if people stick to it and they and they didn't so mm. um, uh, yeah but how uh, and how was it there I mean you you get all the regular education everything is normal in that sense I mean you you we went to schools that are uh, mostly um, occupied by people from other kibbutzim mm. uh, in the area and then later on with other Moshavim, which is like a, it's a hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a larger place. I, I mean, it was our my first encounter with religious people mm-hmm. or people that practice uh, religious traditions. Um, they had more mixture in uh, in um, uh, origins mm-hmm. or let's say um, um, how to say. Um, Backgrounds, yeah, because I mean, you come from a kind of a homogenic environment, I guess, in the kibbutz. So mostly, mostly Ashkenazi. Today, yeah. much less. Today, yeah. much less. Because, but, but at that know. time, I mean, you're meeting people from other backgrounds for the first time, I guess, when you leave the kibbutz school. Yes, and, and how uh, was that? Then, I mean, where, did you feel a big difference? Um, I'm trying to figure out if I felt a big difference because I. Um, was taught to notice that difference because, I mean, I came from a, a place where you would mock anything that's different from you. That, that's human <laughs> nature, yeah. Well, um, we did it, we practiced We practiced it very uh, enthusiastically. Mm. So then when I saw someone who's um, who has like this kind, different kind of posture, more like... Uh, Manly, muscular, muscular, yeah. uh, with the uh, with the uh, brace like uh, you know gold chain, gold chains, and they maybe had like the the kippa, the yamaka mm. on their head, and maybe they you know they they did things that I wasn't familiar with. So my first response to it was uh, you know to to uh, mock it or to um, be um kind of uh distant from it mm. um but that's what we do anything that is alien to us is so either funny or threatening or you know yeah so you see that it's not really something that you that is what you're uh taught as part of being a kibbutz member but it's just the consequences of being mm in that place where you mostly experience people that are the same as you, so you don't really have a lot of chance to... So you experience that kind of in a, in a one wave instead of gradual, you know, encounters. So today I have a chance to meet many different... At that time, we didn't really have cars, so we didn't get to drive a lot. Yeah, yeah, so you were, you were bound to the kibbutz. <laughs> And how is the kibbutz scene in Israel? Like, uh, how how is that? Like, the are these considered to be I so? Know, it started. Hard-working? It started in the early years of Israel as a very um, uh, praised um, lifestyle. Like, maybe not the lifestyle, but the 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 uh, how to say um, the institute mm. was considered. Uh, something that serves the Israel purpose of fighting for its land and developing its land and settling 
in the on the boundaries of Israel mm-hmm. and so then the Israeli soldier um the the sorry the 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 Israeli soldier yes of course very much um i i want to say that the 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 guys from the kibbutz were considered you know they only they also always went to serve as combat soldiers and they mm-hmm. had like the nice you know the hair <coughs> sorry not just the, the yeah. ashkenazi blonde uh, light colored hair mm. uh uh flowing around in the wind not killing it with an and and exactly and the spikes yeah, exactly the spikes. <laughs> um so this was the working class heroes you know they they produced the salt this is the salt of the earth working class heroes that that you mentioned i kind of imagine you know the city people that work in the yeah but but no 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 that's <laughs> a new thing that that that's a new thing that we think that people are city in the old days or back in the yeah, days we so thought yes. that someone who actually worked with his body was that was the salt of the earth you know the the, the salt the real of the people. earth is yeah. exactly the term that was used to describe the mm. the kibbutz and then and then along with being uh, corrupted and falling apart it also turned to be uh an institution that would be um criticized and um you know judged for uh taking over the money the 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 fund you know the Israel uh, the Israeli nation fund and lands because in the kibbutz you would live in a one one level uh house mm. uh with a with a backyard and a lot of uh you know area, area yeah. yeah while in the city they had to live in uh, seven floors and small apartments and so it's been accused for for taking over um you're taking too much space <laughs> yes and uh i guess that they they, they kind of forget about mm. why the The, the the origins and why the people from the kibbutzim um got those rights in the first place mm. so now you came to the end of of part one uh and in part two we talk about uh, your military duty and what happens which is a mandatory thing in israel and what happens after um after that finishes uh he went to the u.s started a few businesses or tried to start a few businesses or participated in that That meant back to Israel, met his um, nowadays wife, and he told me why they wanted to leave Israel. Um, and what he thinks about modern-day Israel, his issues with that, um, the conflict, um, yeah, and the territorial issues, um, and if the situation will ever resolve, and how it could be resolved, um, and how history will judge the whole thing. <laughs>